Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, uh, it's Tell Dell Tuesday, and with me today is some longtime members from Lifestyles Unlimited, and the discussion we're going to have today with them is going to be pretty high level. So if some of you guys are just starting out, don't be intimidated. We have people that buy single-family houses, duplexes, fourplexes, small apartment complexes, all the way up to large ones. But this couple's done more than that, and their story is pretty... uh, Um, complicated to say the least. So without further ado, let me introduce some award winners. In fact, let me give you the number of times they've won awards. They've won the Independent Real Estate Owner of the Year Award for Austin Apartment Association two years, 2011-2015. They won the IRO Award for Bryan College Station, which is Independent Real Estate Owner Award three times in 2015, 2018, and 2019. And they've won the Property of the Year Award in Bryan College Station 2016, 2017, and 2020 with two different properties. I mean, guys, it looks like they've taken just about every award they've ever tried out for. They've got all these awards with them, and they've done this with five apartment complexes that they bought and have already sold, six apartment complexes that they still own, which is a total of 1,431 units, of which 837 are still in their portfolio. So without further ado, let's introduce Terry and Susan Matheny to the show out of San Antonio. Welcome, guys. Hello. Glad to be here. Thank you, Dale. How are you? Good. Guys, so much to talk about, probably too much. In fact, we can't go into detail. There's so much here. So what I'd rather do is I'd rather use you guys as a high-level conversation for anybody that's listening that has done this, that has portfolios, has been a member of Lifestyles maybe for a while doing syndications, so that we can get some question and answer time here that really makes some sense. So the first question I ask you is, when you started, I was intimately involved with you when you started, and not so anymore in the last many years. But when you first started, explain what your plan was in getting into multifamily. You know, as you sat down and said, hey, here's what we're going to do. And I know you struggled on the first property, but knocked it out of the park. But what was your mindset when you were going into it? Right. My mindset was that I was a very successful electrical engineer. Uh, in a field that um, I was getting long on the tooth end, shall we say, and uh, I was uh, uh, every year uh, dodging the layoff bullet, and and I just, I just did not want to have 
someone else take charge of the future of my life, and I wanted to take charge myself. So I wanted to plot a exit for myself and a future for myself, and that was the main impetus for looking at other things. And uh, after looking at other things, uh, seemed like real estate investing, specifically apartment investing, seemed the best track to take. So you came out of the blocks um, with a 42-unit apartment complex, and I remember the stories we've told on this radio show before and in many, many case studies about the fact that it, it was scary being the first guy in San Antonio to do one. All the people out there were afraid. They didn't know if they had all bought into the concept yet or not, and yet you pulled it off, and then that became a home run. I get that. Then we have the story about the one right across the street, and then the one right around the corner. Tell me about this concept of accumulating multiple assets in a very small area so that you can get the economic to scale in one property. It's in multiple properties. Explain that to people, how and why you did that. Well, so much about your property isn't just about your property. It's about the environment that your property is located in. And when you have a really good handle on knowing the environment where you are, and also in this particular case, uh, we were pretty much instrumental in helping that area recover from being a, a bad area, let's say, into being a good area. We just wanted to build upon that and, and say, well, you know, now, now that property across the street, now that property across the street is a worse property that we currently have in a better area than our first property was in because we made the area better. So it was a matter of, it was actually easier because then we were taking a poorly run bad property and we were, you know, improving in an area that we'd already started improving. So that was kind of the thought was, is that we knew the area, we knew the clientele, we knew exactly uh, what the steps were to execute on those kind of properties and whatnot. And that was our thoughts, as well as the fact, as you mentioned, our first property was 42 units. And that was a very hands-on activity for us for two reasons. One, out of necessity, because it was uh, very lowly occupied and didn't have a lot of income. And so we had to do a lot of initial stuff ourselves. But secondly, we're both kind of a learn-by-doing kind of people, and we knew that if we could do something, then we could know how to do it better and how to make sure that people we did hire could do it as well. So by going from the 42 units that we currently had on that property, and then eventually buying 112 more units right in that area, we were able to have a significant staff to be able to handle those things for us so then we could step up a little bit more and look at the bigger overall picture of of our future. Now, if I remember right, this is quite a bit of time back 2014 2016 when you sold these off it seems to me that you had kind of got into this right when the marketplace was starting to go crazy i mean the, the prices that we were paying seemed high to me yet they ended up being low compared to where they went in my mind my memory bank what was the profit look like on these three deals yeah it was so much more in the end than we expected. And uh, as you just said, too, a lot of it was due to the fact that it was a rising market. We had done a great job, but also the rising market was certainly good for us as well. And on, on those three deals, we made about a 3x return overall, meaning that if you had invested 
you know, $100,000 in, you would have made $300,000 over the life of the project, which in these cases were actually only about three or four year holds. So that was a pretty good annual return as well. So you put in 100000 and when you say there's a $300,000 gain, that doesn't count the 100 you put in, did it, or does it? Yeah, I did. So it was 3x. So basically, you put 100 in, you get 300 out, so it's 200 over what you put in. So it's 2x, 200, 200% more than what you put in. All right, and I you know to be what? clear about that. No, and Susan needs to help me out here. I think I'm understating that. It was actually, it was a 4x gain, was it not, Susan? It definitely was on our fourth property that we sold. It was 4x. Yeah, so it was a 4x gain. So, so let me restate that. You put $100,000 in, you get $100,000 back, and then you have $300,000 more. Okay. We want to be real clear on that. This term 3x is not really even a business term. I don't know who in our group coined that term, but it's not a business term. And, and you know, so it, it, it sometimes Got it's it. a little deceiving. These were in what city, these three properties for everybody? These were in Austin, believe it or not. If you remember when we first started our Central Texas uh, offices down here, it would, you know, I believe Lifestyle's thoughts were that San Antonio was a, a more likely kind of a target for the type of uh, properties we could buy. But we lived in Austin at the time, and so uh, we were able to, to, to dig these up. Great. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and pick up from right there with uh, Terry and Susan in the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. You get up every day, a life of quiet desperation. Your spouse is there and you're just hoping to come home and have some excitement, some fun, some love, and you get the piled on responsibilities of now honey do this, honey do that, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got to deal with the children. And of course, everybody loves their children, but they bring challenges, they bring problems, they bring more stress. And, of course, the only person who really loves you and doesn't really judge you is, of course, your dog. And yet, you have to go out and walk that dog. Wow. Let's go to bed, get it over with, get back up tomorrow and do it again. How long will I do this? I'll do this from age 30 to age 70, 60, 70 years of age. I'll get up every day and go to the same place and do the same thing. Unless, of course, I get fired, terminated, laid off. Does that sound like financial freedom? No. We'll be right back with the Del Wompton Radio Show. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me today is Terry and Susan Matheny out of San Antonio. Their history is 1,431 units, 837 which they still own. Composite of eight different awards, operational property awards uh, from the, both the, the Austin Apartment Association and the Bryan College Station Apartment Association. So they've got both a lot of experience and a lot of awards for doing it the right way. We just finished uh, talking about three properties they did 
did in early 2010, 2012. And uh, now we're going to talk about a property they purchased after that. Now, Terry and Susan, one of the things that happened with these three properties is it bought you a lot of notoriety in the group. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. So you were able to get out of the blocks looking like a star, especially in an area where we hadn't developed a lot of uh, investors yet. So you were kind of the leader of the pack over there, and you helped a lot of other people and did a lot of mentoring back and forth. What was the mindset before you got rid of those first three to go ahead and buy another 192-unit deal back in 2013? So you bought one in 10, two in 2012, now another larger one, larger than any of those, in 2013. Tell us your mindset behind this one. I can answer this question. So, you know, as Terry had previously said, our goal was to retire from his former job to be able to have real estate be how we got our income. And so Terry had done a spreadsheet of numbers and said, you know, theoretically I need this many units to be able to retire, and we wanted them in the same area so that it would be economy of scale. So on the day that we closed on that 192-unit, he put in his termination notice at his job, and we had a pretty big celebration that day. So that's why we wanted that additional property in that area. That's a wonderful feeling and a great milestone in your career there. You came back next year. And purchased a 248, so I'm, I'm seeing a trend here. 42, 56, 112, 192, 248, every number's getting larger. Tell me where your mindset was on that. Well, you know, we sold the properties in Austin gradually, and we took that money, and we wanted to go into... Whoa, whoa, whoa stop. Um, you got ahead of me there, Susan. We're still yeah. at the 248 unit. I mean, you just keep getting buying larger and larger and larger properties. You're still in the buy mode. You haven't started the sell mode yet. What's the deal? We found a property and the numbers made sense and we said, let's do this project as well. So that's how we uh, found that the numbers worked. I'm going somewhere with this line of questioning, guys, because this is a much different type of interview because we're interviewing and discussing long-term objectives. Excuse me. They worked earlier today when I woke up, but they're broken now. That's my lips. So the, the bottom line is, is that you just kept buying and buying and buying and buying and then snap. 2014, you changed all that and you started selling and selling and selling and selling. What happened mentally in 2014? Now, I could see maybe you sold the small one to buy the big one. I could see that as a logical move. Sold in yeah. 14 and picked up the big one in 14. Yeah. That makes sense. But then yeah. 2016, you sold three more. In 2020, you sold the big one. What changed in either your mindset or the economics of the economy, the city, the area? What happened that made yeah, you sell you, off you, your you, whole portfolio like that? Yeah, you know, what it really was is that, as you said, we bought into Austin and, and in general, and the whole country at that time frame, 2010-11, you know, was a great time to be in. It was kind of the bottom, bottom rising of the economy. And honestly, I thought, in about 2013, I thought, oh my gosh, Austin has increased so much. And you were talking about how fast it was increasing, that I thought, when we first invested, in fact, when we still invest, it doesn't matter. We invest for cash flow. 
and any kind of a capital gain is like a cherry on top. But when we started looking at the cherry on some of those properties, first properties we bought, those were watermelons. And the idea obviously was I can take those watermelons and I can turn those into my bigger properties and bigger properties and easier to run and single properties easier to run as opposed to multiple properties. So that was kind of the mindset there was the, is the unlocking that equity basically to allow us to uh, more like consolidate the number of units into a smaller number of properties and still have the, the, the large cash flow and, and equity uh, growth that could happen. Okay. That was really the, the thoughts on that. I got a couple additional questions in that group, okay? First of all, the Creekside and the Retreat, were those both in Austin also? No, just the first, this, this Creekside was the last one we bought in Austin. The Retreat, actually, we, we expanded our area, and that was in the Bryant College Station area. And that was actually the first property that we won uh, our award on there for. Okay. Now I'm going to split some hairs with you here and see if you yes, can sir. help me out here. I don't want to put words in your mouth because it's COVID and that's unhealthy. But the bottom <laughs> line is, is that I'm going to make up something in my mind. You tell me if it's anywhere near true. You bought it in Austin so low that by the time it got so high, you thought, man, there's nothing left on the bone here. We need to get out of here. We need to go much. to another town <laughs> because there's nothing left. Now, when I ask you, hindsight is twenty twenty. Did Austin go up any more in value since 2016 when you sold all those off? It has gone up incredibly in value and not one to regret anything. I always think of how much money I made and not worry about how much money I could have made. But believe me, we could have tripled again if we had held on to, to those. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely gone up crazy. Okay, now... I. I I don't mind that because I tell the story of myself buying houses till they got to forty grand, then I thought they were too expensive, and now they're three hundred fifty thousand bucks a house for the same house. And you know, I sold off uh, all my smaller portfolios at thirty three thousand dollars a door, and then now they're worth like a hundred thousand a door. So hey, we've all made that mistake. And the point I'm making for the listeners out there is that all of you believe the exact same thing today. I brought this up at the expo. We all think. We're at the peak of the market every time we look. We all think the market is going to crash, and it's going to leave us standing high and dry. That's what everybody listening to this radio show right now believes in the deep of their heart and their gut. And yet I'll tell you, it's not true. It's not just the money. It's the lifestyle. Here's Del Wamsley. Read or hear the stories of the people at Lifestyles who've worked through the process of buying their life back from corporate America, buying their life back from poverty, from middle-class mundane lives of quiet desperation. That's what we're talking about. So people send me questions, send me statements, stories, and I love getting them. So if you want to send me any more of them, just send them to Ask Dell, and Dell spelled with one L, D-E-L, Ask Dell at L-U-I-N-C dot com. We'll be right back with Terry, Susan, and the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. 
Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me here on Tell Dell Tuesday is Terry and Susan Matheny out of San Antonio that have done over 1,400 units over their career here, won multiple, multiple, multiple awards in multiple cities. And um, we're discussing the first, what I'll call, half of their investment career, where they went in, they made a boatload of money, and then they decided that the market had peaked in their area, and so they wanted to diversify out into other areas, and they sold off most or all of their portfolio and moved on. Although it was a gradual thing, it looks like here, as you started purchasing new properties as you were selling the old ones. Did you 1031 any of these, or was it just pretty much break up the partnership and move on to a new partnership? Actually, the, the last one in Austin we sold, the Creekside Trace, we did 1031 into that point on Redmond property in College Station. Basically, the property we bought was cost less than the, the first one, so it's actually part of the money went back to the folks and part went into the uh, 1031 exchange. I got you. All right, now, it, which one of these on here is your student housing property? Those two are the Encore Sam Houston and Campus Edge and up in Huntsville, Texas. All right, so the point at Redmond was a regular, straight-up apartment complex then, right? Yeah. Point of Redmond and Hunter's Point, those two are, are college station. We still have those. We still run those together, meaning I have a senior manager for both of them, and they're both conventional properties run in a conventional manner. All right. So you went to College Station. Why? What was attractive so, there? Right. So the College Station is a sister city to Bryan, just like Dallas-Fort Worth, I suppose, but in a much smaller scale. And so we, we knew the area. We had here again knew the area had talked to other brokers in the area and whatnot and they just brought us these couple of deals they seemed to just fit our profile of of the type of properties that we knew how we how to run and could run well so uh it was just you know building more you know the, the, the retreat was the first property in the area this was adding two more to that portfolio in that area basically let me see the retreat which was okay the last part of the last group. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So now in this situation, if I can, I'm going to ask this delicately. There's something that I make everybody write in the back of the book, which says, I will not do what Dell said to do. And you guys decided that you were going to go do a type of property that was not a lifestyles unlimited suggested practice, buying student housing, which the, uh, deals, correct. the college station deals are normal. Right. I, the next two. I'm talking about the next two. Got it. Got so it. the next two are student housing. Yes. What possessed you to go and try something that there's absolutely no education on and no background from us on and just experiment and try to be the new inventor of a wheel? So honestly, that's on me. I was listening to a lot of the, uh, here again, the uh, economics of the time and whatnot, thinking you know, that, that things were getting tight, and, and I was exploring other, slightly other, still apartments, other avenues, and reading a lot of different uh, reports of different types, kind of like a senior housing or whatever, that it kept coming up as people always send their kids to school, 
even even if in a recession you suffer a little bit, you're always going to send your kids to school, and they're always going to succeed. And you know this fairly re- recession-proof type of a type of an asset. And so and so that was a thought in my head when I did that. Okay, I'm just trying to get across what's happening. You've yeah. got five, six, seven successful deals under your belt. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of the story of King Midas? Yeah. <laughs> King Midas, everything he touched turned to gold, and that seemed like a great thing until he found out that he couldn't eat because when he touched food, it would turn to gold. <laughs> Died. So the bottom line is, is the Midas touches that I think whatever I touch works. Why? Because I'm so good, I'm so smart, I'm so creative, and I'm such a hard worker. And with those four components, I can beat anything. Right? That's the the basic Midas touch belief system. And I think we've all run across it. I've got my stories. Everybody's got their stories where you stepped out. You know, you're in this box. It's a safe sandbox. And somebody goes, why don't you step out of the box and come play over here? And you go, you know what? I'm a big boy now. I can step out of this box. And you step out of the box and somebody hits you with a baseball bat right between the eyes. And you go, wow, why did I do that? You got 20-20 hindsight. What challenges did you run into with student housing that you had not anticipated? Very high and much higher than than I than I thought was was be necessary. Staffing for one thing, having a bunch of kids is in, in, in all of your and I don't want to say kid, young adults. Having a bunch of young adults in your units is very hands-on, staff oriented, and so staffing and the and the requirements of that were were crazy. In addition, the type of student property that we have, which is a basically a by the bed type of a, uh, a rental, very, very high competition, and it is cutthroat. You are always advertising that super special that's going to make the students run to you to lease from you. In student housing, the one thing that's awful is is that everybody moves out and moves in at the same time, so it's, so it's a once-a-year thing. However, having our properties in College Station, even though they were not student properties, most properties there kind of are still on that summer schedule, so we had almost all of our people move in and out during the summer months, whereas in student housing, it's like two weeks. So it wasn't a huge, huge step for that. So that wasn't too horrible, but it, it, is, it is definitely more horrible. But I think the staffing and the competition in the market is brutal. Another thing that we discovered that is in conventional housing, about 50% of your residents are going to turn over. In student housing, it's more like you're retaining about 35% is considered a good retention. So every year there's a huge turnover of residents. Number one cost in real estate yep. operations is what? Turnover. Turnover. Yep. Yeah. So I remember when I was a kid, I lived in a dormitory. I lived in a, in a housing, student housing. And it was up in Wisconsin, and it snowed like 10 inches, and we couldn't get out, and you couldn't get to food. And... We were going crazy. And so what did we do? We tore the the fronts off of the vending machines to steal the food out of the vending machines. We broke into the commissary and tore the door off the hinges and stole all the food out of the commissary. And that's why I've never rented to students. Because <laughs> I was one once. Because you were one. <laughs> I was one. I know what it's like to be a student. There's, there's not a care in the world. But I remember people telling me 
Terry, when you guys first took this over was, oh man, these are college students. Their parents have to sign for everything. They're going to be really good and their parents are going to sign for everything. And is that the case? Did the parents take care of all the problems? Well, let me answer this question. So yes, the large majority of the students have guarantors and the savvy manager, which we have a really savvy manager, they do unit walks like on spring break, Christmas break, and they look at the what's going on in the properties and they immediately do damages and send them out to the students and the parents so they have to pay for the damages throughout the year rather than waiting until they move out. So that is uh, one thing that we have to do to manage damages that happen. All right, now we're coming to a break right now, guys. And I have one more point I want to bring up about this, and then I'll let this go. We'll move on. So let's just take a moment here for everybody. Hang in there with us. We will be right back with Terry and Susan Matheny and the Del Wamsley Radio Show. It's not just the money. It's the lifestyle. Here's Del Wamsley. When I go out there to buy an apartment complex for myself, I'm going to put all my money into one big, beautiful, perfect, great location property before I take and spread that out over 10 properties. On the other hand, if I'm gonna invest with people I don't know, if I'm buying into passive deals, and first of all, I'd never buy into passive deals with people I don't know. If I'm buying with passive deals with people that I know generally be good and have proven track records, then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pick not 10 of those people, but five of those people and spread my money out over five people. Now, why am I diversifying? Because when times get tough, I know I can count on myself to go for all of the very best resources. I can count on myself that I keep extra resources around, that I have massive rainy day funds, and I have the willingness to not be embarrassed to go ask for help in bad situations. Do I know that of every other successful person? No. A person could be successful many times in a row, then run into something they've never run into before and not be willing to seek out help. Or, because they've been successful, have developed a structure of reserves, financial reserves, money, that's not deep enough to get them through some really difficult times. We'll be right back with the Del Wompton Radio Show. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. We're here on Tell Del Tuesday. We have Terry and Susan Matheny, and uh, they have purchased over 1,430 units over the 2008 to 2021 period. They've been members. They've won uh, two times, won the Independent Real Estate Investor of the, the Year Award at Austin Apartment Association, three times won the Independent Real Estate Investor of the Year Award in Austin College Station Apartment Association, and three times won the Property of the Year Award in Bryan Collins Station association so um, as we went to break guys we were talking about these student housing properties which did not turn out as well as we liked and uh, I guess now I've heard you're getting them back on your feet that's what at least you told me the expo whatever so I have one more question for you Terry and or Susan whoever wants to pick this up but Terry you had made these points and well, I'm angling it towards you you said you read all this stuff about student housing I have the question of 
What happens when you follow the flavor of the month? Wow, housing's the new big thing. Student housing's where all the money's being made. If everybody at the same time believes that's the flavor of the month, what happens to the competition in that world? Did you guys not run into them, start everybody building new ones and or adding on more student housing in the area? That was one of the one of the huge challenges. We we did uh, we did good due diligence and and nothing was uh, being being shown a couple years out. But that was about as far as it as could be seen. And boy, did we have competition move in, and that just made it even even more cutthroat. So uh, at this in this mode right now, I, you know the market is the market is saturated. Add on top of that to this. Uh, a horrible pandemic that we've been going through where they shut the school down and this last school year we had 65 percent occupancy Dell which was which is horrible but uh, you know and we're, we're, we're back up in the in the 90s this year thank God but uh, yeah two, two two hits and you're right the first main main one was with with what what one and a half percent construction loans they would probably be giving people if, if, if anybody who could put a project together would and did. So Terry, honestly, now hindsight being twenty twenty, would you do another student housing deal if it came along? Oh, I would not. I would not. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's not to say, by the way, that we haven't learned a whole lot. And actually, I think that if we, you know, if we were just asked to uh, property manage one, you know, we would know how to property manage one very well. But I would not invest in another one. That's for sure. Well, I won't belabor the point because there's two types of education, that which you pay for and that which you pay for. <laughs> and you can figure out which one's cheaper, right? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So you guys went on and bought another property, 272 units in 2019, and another property, 164 units in 2021. Which brings me here in the last segment of the show to the next question. You were at the expo, one of the yep. couples that were there, and uh, I brought up a very private conversation I had with them backstage. I won't mention their name because they're not here. They came to me after it was all over and said, Dell, can I ask you a really important question? And that was, how do I get out of doing this? I want to retire someday. And so, Terry, you have built yourself a giant portfolio. You're working on it. You're working possibly in it. I don't know what degree, but at least on it at a pretty steady clip. And have you thought about an end game, or is this something you're still youthful in your in your mind's eye, youthful in your feeling about life, and you're still growing and, and putting it together? Or have you thought about an end game yet? Yeah, we have. We feel youthful enough, but it probably wasn't until about four years ago. More, maybe maybe like three years ago that we, that we really saw quote unquote the end game, and that is is that is that our youngest child got the bug. She started working with us slowly. You talk about the two kinds of education: those you pay for and those you pay for. Well, she went out in the working world and paid for her education of working seventeen, eighty hours a week at a job, getting paid forty hours a week for it, and casting her eyes over to what we were doing and thinking, hmm, you know, so we we slowly reeled her in and had her do a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, and and now she is fully engaged. Uh, as you know, she, she herself has uh, been a lead on her first deal, 
schedule herself uh, from last year, and our end game is to uh, basically just turn our portfolio over to her and let and and she is useful. So so she'll have the rest of her life to be growing it while we sit back on, on any vacations we want to go to and knowing that uh, we're taken care of there. Yeah, I've got to get you out of some of our vacations, man. We miss you. You know. <laughs> You guys have got to get out. I mean, we've we've been out with you guys before. You know, we've yeah. we've taken vacations together. You got to get back on the vacation circuit, man. I know, I know. <laughs> we always right. seem to tie our vacation around education too, so that's fun. You know, got to go learn some stuff, and by the way, hang around a little longer. We love that. I got you. Well, you know, it's uh, one of those things in life. How does JB say it? You got to be always learning. Oh, I'm a lifelong learner. That's what he calls himself. He says, I'm a lifelong learner. And we all are. You know, and so you stick your toe over here in this puddle and go, man, that's cold. And you stick your toe over here and go, that's too hot. And, you know, the old porridge thing, right? And this one's just right. So you've just righted it out of 11 times, nine times you pounded out of the park, and two times you got a bunt. And yep. uh, at least you weren't thrown out at first base and lost everything. So that's great. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I really look forward to being on those vacations with you. Del Wamsley offers some tips on a better lifestyle. I need to get this one out because this one is really a harsh one. Very famous gentleman by the name of Dave Ramsey's out there telling everybody you should have no debt at all. Probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life, other than maybe you should have all kinds of debt. But the concept is debt is dangerous because I, Dave Ramsey, didn't know how to deal with it. I lost lots of money because of debt. And so now I'm telling everybody don't have debt that the people that I borrowed all my money from and didn't pay them back were bad people. When the truth of the matter is they weren't bad people, you were bad people because you borrowed all their money and didn't pay it back. The way I see it is like telling my daughter, look, driving a car is dangerous. And a lot of people have had massive financial disaster from driving a car. And so I suggest to my daughter, you should never drive a car. I think you should ride a bike for the rest of your life. And that's what Dave Ramsey is telling people. Remember, guys, everybody else out there, it's not the money. It's lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation.